Would you mind? Um, I'm gonna put a put a tag on that verse for the for the for the title. It's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So live for Him, our Heavenly Father. Would you pray with me? Lord God, please. Testament baby. My heroes were Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath, Jonah and the whale. <laughs> I grew up with those stories. Those are my heroes. Those were, the, those were the people who I looked up to when I was, when I was, going, when I was reading, reading the Bible, watching videos. I was watching videos of those guys. Those guys shaped my, my childhood. They've helped me be who I am. Those are my heroes. I didn't have Darkwing Duck or some of those other guys or some of those guys weren't, weren't quite, weren't Batman, all those guys. They weren't quite what I was, what I was brought up on. I was brought up in Bible stories. I'm an Old Testament baby. And today, one of my favorite stories, one of the stories that I like the most is the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of my favorite stories. I really enjoy the story of Joseph. And, and when I was looking at the, my favorite verse and the story of Joseph, there was a lot of things that really, really kind of went together for me. So I want to talk about Joseph real, real quick. Joseph was, was the son and the brother. He was the brother that you didn't want. Joseph was the brother that you didn't want. Joseph, if you don't know Joseph, he, would, he had a couple dreams. And Joseph... Joseph was the, had 12 brothers, 11 brothers, and one time he had a dream, and he said, all y'all bowed down to me, basically. That was the gist of it. Everybody bowed down to me. And imagine your, your little brother, one of the young, second youngest brother, comes up and says, I had a dream that y'all going to bow down to me. That ain't cool. I, ain't like, <laughs> I don't like that very much. And then he had another dream where he said the sun, the moon, and stars all bowed down to him. Basically saying, all you guys bowed down to me again. That ain't a dream you want to tell your brothers, especially when you're one of the youngest. And then, to make it worse, he was the father's favorite son. His father made him a beautiful coat with all kind of colors on it and just said, you're my favorite. Basically announced to the world, you're the favorite son. You are the best, and the other brothers are cool, but you're the best. To make it even worse, Joseph, um, Joseph's father would send him to go check on his brothers who were, who were watching the sheep and the flocks and stuff, and he'd come back and tell, oh, your brothers are lazy, they aren't working, they're messing around, just bad. So Joseph's brothers didn't like him at all. They didn't like him. They had a, they had a little bit of a reason, but they didn't like him much. So one day, Joseph's brothers are way out in the country. They're, they're flying around. They're watching the sheep. They're playing. And next thing you know, Joseph comes out to visit. And these guys are like, you know what? This dude needs to be taught a serious lesson. A serious lesson. I'm an older brother. I'm the oldest in my family. I'm the oldest of all my cousins. Sometimes lessons do need to be taught. But... This was a bad lesson. 
his, um, so his brothers threw him in a pit. <laughs> it's cold. That pit is cold. It's dark and it's lonely. Imagine being in the bottom of a pit with all your brothers sitting on top laughing at you. And you actually kind of like them, but you're just too naive to understand what's going on. And Joseph is in the pit. It's cold. It's dark. And it's lonely. And the next thing he knows, he's being sold. His brothers sell him. During a trip, Joseph is in there. He's, he's, being, he's, he's shackled up going to Egypt. And he's like, what is going on here? I'm betrayed. I'm hurt. My brothers just sold me. I thought they might just beat me up, but they sold me. I'm gone. And it's the brothers tell their, husband, tell, tell their father that a wild animal ate Joseph. Joseph's on this trip to Egypt. And during that trip to Egypt, Joseph makes a, a decision inside of his heart and says, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stay dedicated to the God of my father. And I'm going to live for him. I'm going to stay true to him. Um, Joseph ends up being sold to, the pot, to Potiphar, the son, the, the, one of the big shots for Pharaoh. And he becomes, he's a slave there. He's a slave for Potiphar. And the first night he's in there, he gets thrown into the slave quarters. And in my biblical imagination, he goes from the pit to the slave quarters. The slave quarters is another cold, dark, lonely place. He's at the bottom. Poor Joseph is at the bottom. In Genesis, in Genesis 30, 20, 39, two, um, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served the home of these Egyptian masters. So Joseph ends up serving Potiphar. The Lord was with him, and he starts succeeding. Joseph starts doing everything right. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best for God. I'm going to do my best wherever I am. So he starts to succeed. He starts to do well. Joseph is the man. Joseph is, is probably in his mid-20s now. He's the man. And so what happens is, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph, there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built man. <laughs> now, Don ain't here today, but I was going to use him. Don's pretty big. He's pretty buff, and he's well-built. <laughs> See, he's not here today. But Joseph was handsome, and he was well-built. And typically when you're handsome, well-built, and successful, you can attract some attention. You attract a little attention. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But in this case, Joseph attracted the wrong attention. He attracted the attention of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife. Potiphar was one of the big shots in Egypt, all of Egypt. And Potiphar's wife was like, I like the way that guy looks over there. He's, he's the man. He looks like he's doing his thing. And in my biblical imagination, just bear with me here. In my biblical imagination, Potiphar's wife is Egyptian. Egyptians, Egypt's in Africa. And my biblical imagination, 
Potiphar looks a lot like Beyonce. <laughs> Potiphar's wife looks a lot like Beyonce. So Joseph's in, a, Joseph's in a bad situation right now. He's trying to be true to God. He's trying to, he's trying to do the right thing, but he's got Beyonce trying to holler at him. <laughs> That's a hard one. Imagine, brothers, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a couple guys in here. Imagine if Beyonce came and tried to talk to you. Beyonce comes and says, says hey, I, I like that shirt. You're wearing it right. You're doing your thing. I want you to come hang out with me today. I don't know what she said. <laughs> That's the best I can do. <laughs> she comes up. She starts putting her hand on Joseph, randomly touching him. Joseph's like, come on now. Don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. I'm trying to serve God here. So Beyonce's trying to get with Joseph. <laughs> Beyonce's trying to do her best to get with Joseph. And when she... Um, and one thing when you're dealing, when you're trying to do what's right and live for him, you, God can help you resist temptation. Joseph is doing his best. He's doing everything he can to resist temptation. Some temptations are easier than others. Sometimes, so I like sugar. I love sugar. I just realized it. Like I got my, when, before, I had, before I was married, I didn't think I had a problem. My wife's telling me, oh, you drink, you eat too much sugar. You have too much sugar. I was like, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Then I started gaining weight. <laughs> like, where's all this weight coming from, man? Like, I'm supposed to be like 180, chilling. I'm supposed to be hanging out. Like, I'm supposed to be fit, in shape, cut. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm realizing I'm just like gaining a pound or two here and there, here and there. And sugar is really bad for me. Like, I drink it too much. Like, Pepsi. Pepsi. I'm down to one Pepsi a, a month, a week. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I used to drink, like, one every day. Some, some temptations are easier than others. Another one is um, keeping the Sabbath. I wanted to watch the finals game so bad the other day. I'm just telling the truth. I just I wanted to, the, the final. The NBA finals was on a Friday night, and it was a big game, and I was like, Jesus, help me. Because I want to watch this basketball game. But I didn't. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't watch the basketball game. But um, some, are, some are, I don't know, I don't know what everybody's going through, but some are harder than others. Some are harder than others. Like, I'll just give an example. You go to the company meeting. You just said, I'm going to stop drinking. And they got drinks, free drinks everywhere. Free drinks everywhere. Everybody's like, yeah, having a good time. And you kind of want to. That sometimes they're harder than others. Um, here's another one. There's a coworker who's been tap dancing on all your nerves. <laughs> they, 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 they look for the nerves to tap dance on. And, and 15 years ago, you might just cuss them out. <laughs> but you're like, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Jesus, help me. So some, 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 there's other things. There's um, envy. Another one that I, like, see someone rolling around in an Escalade that looks really nice. I'm like, man, I want that. But I should be happy with what I have. There's all different types of stuff, all different types of temptations. But when we're living for God, he can help us resist temptations. 
He can give us strength to be happy with what we have. To um, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And use, use him. He can help us. He's the person who helps us. So, Beyonce gets mad. She's, she's like, man, this brother keeps resisting me. She said, I'm irresistible. Come on now. Like, come on now. You see me? I'm Beyonce. So she gets mad, and she corners Joseph, tells him to sleep with her. He says no. He runs away because he knows. He knows you can only, a man can only resist so much. So he runs. That's another lesson. Run from evil. When it's, when it's trying to corner you, just run sometimes. Sometimes you just got to run. <laughs> sometimes running is the best thing you can do. Um, so she grabs, when he runs away, she grabs, his, grabs his, uh, his, his cloak that he had on him, and she tells Potiphar that Potiphar, Joseph tried to rape me. Joseph tried to rape me. Potiphar comes home. He's mad. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? And, and he throws Joseph in prison. I got a biblical imagination. This isn't in the Bible. But this, my biblical imagination says he probably would have killed him if he didn't think that something was up. He knew, he knew Joseph. He knew that Joseph wasn't about that action. He knew that Joseph was what he knew that Joseph was a servant of God and that everything he did, God had his hand in it. He knew it. That's why he put him over everything. That's probably the only reason why he didn't try to kill him. My biblical imagination. But poor Joseph. Poor Joseph's in prison. It's cold. It's dark. Damp and lonely. Again, Joseph's gone from the pit to the slave house to prison. There's a, in your lowest parts, one thing that's encouraging to me is, is when, when you're at the bottom, when you're in your lowest part, when you're in the lowest place, God's still with you. God doesn't leave you like some people do. When you're in your last worst place, God still stays with you. And in Genesis 39, 21, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him, showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So Joseph's the man again. He's the man in prison. He, um, he ends up interpreting two dreams. One didn't go so well. Read the Bible. I can't, I'm not gonna, I can't go through the whole thing right now. One didn't go so well for one of the guys, and one went pretty well. The one that went well, he was the winemaker, the wine taster, excuse me. And he said, Joseph said, here's your dream. You are going to get your job back in three days, and then you're going to get your job back, and you're going to be tasting wine for Pharaoh again. When you get there, tell that man about me, please. I am in here. I've been falsely accused. Everybody knows what's up. Get me out of here, please. So three days go by. The winemaker gets his job. The wine taster gets his job back. Joseph's like, yeah, he's there. He's checking him out. He's like, come on, guys. Hey, I'm in prison. I'm wrongfully accused. Somebody help me. The wine taster forgets about him. Mmm, he forgets about him. Joseph just realizes that 
oh, it's all over. He forgot about me, and he's stuck. Joseph's stuck in a bad place. Joseph's been through a lot. He's been through getting thrown in a pit. He's been through getting, being a slave, and he's going through being in jail. That, that reminds me of a story. One day there was a, a lady who, who went to visit her pastor. She, she sits down in the pastor's office, and the, the, pastor's, the pastor says, how can I help you? And she says, she says to the pastor, she says, Pastor, I'm going through financial difficulties. Pastor looks at her and says, Praise God. She's like, What? Praise God. I just told you I'm going through financial difficulties. Praise God. Mm. She's like, All right, Pastor's just tripping. All right, let me just say one more thing. She's like, Pastor, seriously. I'm going through marital struggles. And he says, thank you, Jesus. And now she's like, whoa, I just told you two serious things. I said, I'm going through financial difficulties and marital struggles. And you just said, thank you, Jesus? Come on, man. Come on. She's like, pastor. She's sitting there talking to her pastor. She said, pastor, my blood pressure is out of control, and I might have a stroke in the next week if I don't pull it together. And he says, praise God. And at this point, she said, she's almost livid. The pastor is messing with her. Well, she's going through a lot of stuff. And he's over here talking about, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. She said, pastor, I'm about to jump over this desk. I imagine, in my imagination, I imagine Sister Clark just about to jump over the desk or something. She right there. And he said, he said, he said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can see you're getting worked up. I can see you're getting worked up. But let me, but before you get too mad at me, just just listen for a second. He said, he said, you said you were going through something, right? She's like, yeah, I told you. He said, when you say you're going through, just think of it like a tunnel. You have one side, the entrance to the tunnel, you go through it, and then there's another side of the tunnel. He said that right now, you said you were going through all those things. He said, but there's another side where you can get onto the other side of those things. And he said that when you go through financial difficulties, there's financial health on the other side. When you're going through relationship issues, there's healing on the other side. And when you're going through health stuff, there's health on the other side. There's wellness. He said, I'm praising God because you said you're going through. You knew it already in the back of your head. You're going through. God can pull you through this. He can pull you through. He's sitting there. He's got you right now. He can pull you through. He said, that's what's on the other side. And Joseph... Joseph is going through a lot of stuff. And when we're going through stuff, we need our perspective on some of those things. Is each one of those things that you go through, even when you're in the middle of it, those are tests that can become testimonies. God can use those tests to create testimonies for other people. 
So everything you're going through is when you're living for him, there are some of the best things that can happen to you, even though it sucks when you're going through it. Because that's an opportunity for us to help somebody else. It's, it, it can be difficult. I know. It can be difficult. But when you're going through those things, use it for the glory of God. So back to Joseph. Joseph's stuck in prison, but he's balling out in prison. He's the man. Joseph's the man. He's in charge of everything. Joseph's in charge of everything. And it's the prison. It's the best prison in all Egypt. He's killing it. Joseph is killing the gang. So one day Pharaoh has a dream. I'm not going to go into it right now. Read the Bible. It's there. It's a good reading, actually. It's a good reading. It's a good story. Pharaoh has a dream. And he's like, somebody better interpret this dream because it's a serious one. I know a, good, I know a dream when I hear it, when I see it. And this is a real one. Where are all my people? Someone interpret this dream. No one can do it. Nobody can do it. And the wine taster, the wine taster who forgot about Joseph, it's like, ding, ding, ding. A light bulb goes off in his head. And he's like, oh, shoot. I forgot about Joseph. Let me hook this brother up real quick. So he goes in there. He goes and get. he goes to the king and says, hey, I got a guy. I got somebody for you. They go, they get Joseph out of prison. Joseph's like, man, what next? <laughs> they already threw me in a pit. <laughs> they made me a slave. And I've been sitting in prison for years. What's next? Joseph goes, Pharaoh's like, hey, man, I heard you, I heard you um, can interpret dreams. Joseph's like, yeah, God helps. God, God, is, God is the man. He can... He can interpret dreams. Tell me your dream, and I'll pray, and we'll see what happens. Joseph interprets his dream, and the interpretation was is that Egypt was going to have the, the, the surrounding areas were going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of great harvest, seven years of, of just amazing, amazing everything. There was going to be food. Everybody was going to have as much as they can get. But after those seven years, there was going to be seven years of famine. They couldn't grow anything. You won't be able to grow anything. There will be no crops. There will be no food. And everybody will die. So Joseph says, look, you need to store up as much food as you can over these next seven years so that we can make it through the seven years of famine. And you need to appoint somebody who's going to be able to handle this business for you because it's going to be serious. And Pharaoh's like, man, I believe you. I think I'm just going to put you in charge. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to give you everything. You got this, man. You interpreted, Jane. You got this. Now Joseph's the man. Joseph's second in charge. He's in charge of everything. Second only to Pharaoh. And the seven years go by, Joseph does exactly what he's supposed to do. He pour, he fills up stockholds and stockholds and stockholds of grain and whatever food they could store, and he keeps it there. And they're ready. They're like, seven years of famine, bring it on. We got this. We ready. We know what to do. 
we're ready. We can feed nations if we had to. We can just feed ourselves plus some because we knew what was coming. The seven years start. People start losing. People, people can't grow nothing. They're like, what's going on? People around, around Egypt are like, what's going on? We don't know what's happening. And they hear that Egypt has all the food. So people start coming. Everybody starts coming to Egypt. Everybody starts coming in. And word gets out that, word's out that there's food in Egypt. And guess who shows up? Joseph's brothers. This time, Joseph's the man. They come, and Joseph's in charge of the food. Joseph sees his brothers. All ten, ten of them come. Joseph's like, oh, here are my brothers. The guys who threw me in a pit, sold me as a slave, and lied to my dad that I was dead. The Bible teaches us some good things here. One thing we can do when we're living for him is forgive when we have the opportunity to destroy. Sometimes forgiving is one of the hardest things to do. The person who lied about you, and now you have an opportunity to get him back, and nobody knows about it. The, the person who beat you up... <laughs> in grade school, and now they're trying to apply for a job from you? There's all kinds of stuff. But when we're living for him, forgiveness is a must. Um, And in Matthew, it says that we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7. Jesus wasn't playing when he said that. Jesus wasn't playing. Matthew 18.21 says, Jesus said to them, he needs to, he needs to say, he needs to forgive 70 times 7. So he's got a lot of people. There's a lot. All his brothers come. He ends up forgiving them. But there's also, Joseph has to forget, has to think about forgiving a lot of people. Forget Potiphar. He could have froze Potiphar out. Potiphar knows he didn't try to rape his wife. Beyonce, he could have been mad at her for lying on him. But he fed her too. And the cupbearer, the wine taster guy who forgot about him, pretty sure he ate too. So God asked us to forgive. And Joseph, Joseph forgave. Joseph forgave. Joseph ends up, he ends up, he ends up saving basically all the surrounding countries and Egypt because he followed what God did. And as I wrap this thing up, I'm just going to wrap this up real quick here. Just got one more, one more little illustration to share with you guys. Um, there, was a, there was an orphan. Really smart guy. Really smart. He grew up. He was an orphan. Bounced from orphanage to orphanage. Um, ran away, started working for the mob. Bad people. Really bad people. But he was smart. He was extremely smart. 
And he started working his way up the ladder. He started working his way up. He had nothing. And next thing you know, he's um, the mob boss. Um, one, of his, one of his favorite pastimes was horse racing. He liked to check out the horse racing. The mob boss was a serious guy, though. He killed people for fun. Like, and the biggest thing, the biggest rule was do not lose the mob boss over a million dollars. For some reason, the million dollar line is like, if you lose that, people, people just disappear. They put the black thing over your head. They call you in his office. Next thing you know, you're gone. The kid's seen this before. He's seen it. He's seen person after person after person go in there and then disappear. But he's like, I'm smart. I got this. So the guy, he has a formula for horse racing. He gets really good. He can predict what's going to happen. He knows it. The kid's really smart. He should have gone to MIT and been a stockbroker or something. Each time he goes, he doesn't. He he knows not to risk a million dollars because the the mob boss starts giving him money. He's like, take it. You're doing good. Take it. Take it. But he's the kid sees. He's like, mm. people lose this million dollars and they disappear. The kid gets older though. Gets a little cocky. Gets a little cocky. He starts starts risking a million dollars but winning. Formula is immaculate. This formula is the best formula ever come up with. One day, the kid puts in his he puts in his order. He's used to it. He puts in his order every every day. They, they all know him. They say what's up. He puts in his order. And looks at it. <laughs> See in five minutes. He knows he knows he's always winning. The race goes. The kid's watching. And he starts watching in horror because he bet over a million dollars. He's watching in horror as one of the horses kicks him. The horse that he thought was going to win, the, the, the rider flies off. The horse just flails around and he watches the horse he picked lose. The kid is devastated. He knows he knows it's already over. He lost over a million dollars. He goes back home. He already knows they know. He knows they know. Later that night, he's awoken out of his bed. They throw the black hood on him. They take him to the mob boss's office. He knows what's coming. He already knows. He's seen it before. The mob boss said, what were you thinking, man? Why did you, why did you do that? You know what's going to happen. I got to get him. Out of the corner of the room, there's, there's an accountant. The mob boss's account. He's always like, he's always seen something in this kid. He always sees something in the kid. And the accountant, the accountant says, hold on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
give, give me just a second here. I'm waiting for a text message. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? It's like, I'm waiting for a text message. Just give me a second. Give me a second. And my boss says, all right. It's time. The accountant says, we just got the money. I know this kid's dad. We went to school together. I've been watching you for a long time, and I pulled a piece of your hair the other day. You didn't even know I did it. I went to school with your father. Your father is a Fortune 500 CEO. No wonder you're so smart. He just wired me the money. He just wired me the money. Can we let this guy go? My boss looks. He's never let anybody go. He sits and thinks. He's like, get out of here, man. Your father saved you. Get out of here. The accountant's like, don't come back. And don't you tell anybody what you've seen here. The kid's gone. Goes off and lives with his father. But when I was thinking of that story, it reminded me of how God came and he sent his son. Saved us. Saved us. He paid our price. He wired the money. He sent his son. I ain't sending my daughter for nobody. But he sent his son. Imagine how much that hurt. Imagine watching your son die on the cross for people who didn't deserve it. That was for me. When I think about that, that was for me. I'm making jokes today, but that was for me. God sent his son to die for us so that we didn't have to die. And all he asks at the end of the day is that we live for him. It's all he asks. So just want to leave you with that today. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm, I'm me. But what I do know is that God loves us. He, he sent his son to die for us. And we should all, including myself, especially myself, do our best to live for him.